All right. All right. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Miller. I'm the uh, head strategist for optimized trading and equity sciences. Uh, we primarily design, uh, you know, highly adaptive, you know, quantitative solutions uh, for for literally biased market types. Uh, today, we're here to review some of our concepts, philosophies, uh, and products and services. Uh, before we get started, uh, read through this disclaimer: historical performance, whether live or simulated, may not be indicative of future results. Trading stocks, ETFs, futures, or FX can involve significant risk that may not be suitable for every investor. Investors should only choose to invest funds they can afford to lose without negatively affecting lifestyle. Price characteristics are not predictable or repetitive, thus any strategy developed from historical data will be equally unpredictable. We do not guarantee nor claim our strategies will perform positively and or reflect their historical results. In fact, there can be significant differences between historical and live results. Please consult your investment professional before choosing a trading or investing strategy to ensure it meets your investment objectives and risk tolerances. All results shown are historically simulated, not live real. All information data presented is my personal opinion as I am not an investment advisor, thus consider my Thus, do not consider investment advice nor solicitation of any individual product, service, and or equity. All right. So, <clears throat> so before you know, we we dive uh, you know into the specifics of, of product. Um, you know, let's share a little about you know the process. Um, and for us, before we got started, we really looked at you know what are the the primary risk factors involved in the marketplace. Um, and how other quant you know, firms and models, et cetera, fail. Um, time and time again, that answer comes back to uh, you know, a randomness uh, and then also outcome uh, dependency. And so what I mean by that is, <clears throat> you know, whenever you, you design a source of alpha or a strategy or a model or, or whatever, and, and it's designed explicitly to exploit a very uh, specific type of value, whether that's momentum or reverting or, or some source of alpha or, or whatever that might be, it's singular in nature. So, and typically the further you go down into the, uh, the research rabbit hole, if you will, the more nuanced uh, that alpha source can be, meaning- Hey, hey Brian, yes. So, yes. sorry to interrupt you. Um, your slide is is- it's just showing up very small on the screen. Like it's only showing up as a small portion of the screen. It's weird. I, okay. Yeah, that's. Okay. All right. There we go. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's better. Thanks. All right. All right. Yeah. Good. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, extremely nuanced source of alpha, which can be uh, very environment dependent. Well, as we know, uh, you know, the world in which we live evolves at a very fast pace. So, um, you know, for us, we, we tend to keep our underlying strategic concepts very simple, creative, very creative, but also simple, aligned with John Conway's works and rules complexities. And so, and the other commonality that we found is no matter what type of, you know, firm, fund, et cetera, uh, they all deploy diversification. Um, and there are a plethora of justifications for that. And so, you know, one thing that we also found, though, is they don't deploy diversification on a per asset outcome basis, meaning, you know, if they choose to include an asset, then usually it's, it's uh, singularly uh, based, right? The, the, either it's a buy and hold 
or uh, it's a short-term type of um, buy and hold, more like a, um, you know, like an a quote unquote active asset manager, or, um, you know, it's a single source of value that they're looking to exploit from a quantitative perspective. And so what we tend to focus on is finding ways to integrate the benefits of diversification, but intra-product base. So intra-asset, right? So each asset's outcome isn't based on anything of a singular nature, whether that be a single type of value, a single market environment, um, you know, a single substructure or, um, you know, or, or even a single source of analytic or, or anything like that. So we really look to magnify the benefits of diversification um, and to diversify the factors that produce outcome, right? And it's a very, you know, logical thought process. However, it, it, we, you know, it's really not that heavily integrated. Um, and so, but we found a, a way to do that with our products that allow us to exploit multiple variations of value, uh, multiple market environments and substructures, and then we simply apply, you know, highly adaptive, um, you know, exit logic, allocation logic to that uh, within our Alloduct structure or, or, or model, primary model. And so, uh, but our process, everything begins with the data, uh, the, the data, the biases, behaviors, and characteristics of that market. And what I mean by that is it doesn't make sense for us to uh, design, um, you know, a momentum strategy on a market that's heavily reverting right um and so for instance like there's some assets to just organically have a more revertican characteristics or more momentum characteristics like um uh, at&t is a great example it's heavily reverting and then indexes are more on average uh, are more reverting than an individual stock because it's diversified right so you, you have more tug and pull there more ebb and flow um, and so we look at that uh, as, you know, trying to, you know, throw a rock in a river and expecting it to mimic its flow, right? So all of our strategies and, and concepts, we just want to mimic the flow of the characteristics that at, that asset uh, organically produces on its own. So we just want to go with that uh, and not fight it and, and design a strategy that we apply to every asset. So every model that we design is designed for each asset independently for that asset's characteristics, right? And so next is strategic uh, and result objectives. You know, what is the objective of what it is that you're trying to do with that, uh, with that market, with that asset, with that model, et cetera. Um, and then we design uh, condition-specific alpha and smart beta, and we use a structure um, that I'll go into in a little bit called market classification. Uh, and then we obviously, we diversify factors that produce outcome. And we do that by, uh, you know, simply allowing multiple entries per position and then exploiting, uh, you know, multiple market environments and substructures and then implement layered intellect. And what I mean by that is nothing is set in nature, right? So we don't have no set risk returns. We don't have, um, you know, any set allocation, everything is dynamic and it's adaptive um, uh, to the asset, to the current market environment that we want to identify, uh, to the model that deployed it. And so, you know, the more layers of intelligence that you can integrate, the better, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, deep learning 
uh, intelligence. It just needs to take some basic factors into consideration of, of what it's going to apply, uh, whether that be an entry target, an exit target, or if your allocation percentage. Um, and then tune for specific outcome goals, right? And so uh, that can also be when you're looking at more like a group of products, there may be some markets um, or some assets that's better to um, lean the tune more towards consistency, whereas some might be better suited to lean more towards growth. And so we just also like to, to match that as well. And so let's see, let me share. <clears throat> All right. So there's a lot of activity there. <laughs> I realize that that's probably very different from what you're used to seeing from, uh, from trading period, from quantitative models. But let me try to explain what you see. Essentially, what we deploy is what's called market classification. And no matter what strategy you deploy, you know, whether it's momentum, you know, value, it doesn't matter. That's what you're doing. You're classifying the market into some type of condition uh, that you're looking to exploit, right? But we do it a little differently. So what we do instead is we break the market down into either 32 or 64 uh, repetitive market conditions and substructures. Obviously, some are more dominant than others. Some may last for longer periods and, and be a little bit more infrequent. And then some might last for shorter periods, but be more frequent, right? And so what we then do is once we, we classify the market into 64 conditions, uh, and at any point in time, the market will fit in, in with one of those 64 classifications, we then look at each one of them to say, hey, historically speaking, whenever this classification occurs, you know, does it offer a positive payoff matrix for long positions? Does it offer one for shorts? Uh, if so, what is the best type of value to exploit there, right? Is it momentum value? Is it reverting random cyclic consolidation, oversold, et cetera, right? And so we just look to match the type of value that we want to exploit per condition basis. It's a very simple concept, right? So that way, it gives us the ability to exploit multiple conditions uh, that we identify in a way that's specific, but not and closely fitted to the characteristics of that market. But outcome isn't dependent on any one of those specificities. So while some may argue, well, you know, are, are you worried about overfitting or whatever? And, and it's true that we do closely fit each one of those um, types of value per classification basis. But to us, that's a level of efficiency. We want to be as efficient as we can whenever that classification occurs. And obviously speaking, you know, the markets are random and, and that's not always the, tr the case. Sometimes the, the classification can lag. There's a whole host of factors uh, that can cause, you know, temporary inefficiency within a model structure. But what we look to, to do is say, okay, how do we mitigate that? How do we mitigate the risks of randomness, right? Um, and so you, you do that through allowing multiple entries per position, through applying adaptive entry and exit logic, and then allowing multiple entries per position. And your allocation per entry is also highly adaptive. And so, you know, there are you know, allocation models 
that I've designed that, you know, are, are without looking at, um, you know, optimal entry or exit target pricing at all. You know, it doesn't take the, that into factor at all. It simply, you know, dynamically adjusts the percent that's allocated to the market at any point in time. And just that alone um, will pretty consistently, on a historical basis anyway, consistently outperform. So we combine that, you know, with a highly adaptive entry and exit structure, right? And so what you see there is uh, our allo duct framework. And um, it is, <clears throat> again, it breaks things down to 64 conditions. And so let me show you uh, some historically simulated performance data. And so you get an idea. Uh, we use a compounding allocation model, right? So it takes the return from the previous trade, immediately rolls that in uh, to determine what the, uh, you know, the total is that you have to use for the next position. Each entry uh, can deploy a different allocation percentage uh, than the previous, right? So everything is looked at on a per entry and per position basis relative to the condition that it's in, right? So we look at the level of value that we're seeing within the market. Um, and so everything, we, we tend to do things a little backward uh, from institutional um, model allocation models, which tend to reduce the allocation uh, based on value and volatility, whereas our, our models are the exact opposite. They increase the allocation based on value and volatility. And so this uh, model is over, you know, a, approximately a 25-year data set. Uh, let me show you when it started trading. So um, started trading in you know, April of 96. Needs a few years of data there to uh, get going. And I will show you how the model behaves in different environments. Um, and we'll start with the most recent. Uh, but historically, this is cumulatively throughout you know, the past 20 some years, uh, what the model has uh, historically simulated. And that starts with um, you know, 100,000 initial investment. So, and, and that's just a round number that I always use for, for development. So that's, you know, that, that's um, just an easy figure to use for all baselines. Um, and so over approximately 20 some year period, uh, let's see, let's see what the exact, yeah, 26 years, um, the 100,000 essentially uh, historically simulated that over a 26 year period, profit factor of 6.46, um, you know, almost 2000 trades, uh, you know, 84 and a half percent profitability. And so let's go to periodical. And so, you know, 2022, you know, the market closed down, you know, depending on which index you looked at, you know, 17 to 19% or so, um, our model historically simulated, uh, as you can see, approximately 22.1%. And that is uh, CARG, which is very different from ROI. Um, that only looks at the percent, you know, that looks at the value from the beginning of the year. So if you were using ROI and you had been trading that model for, you know, two or three years or four years or what have you, then it would be much higher than that because it compounds. So instead of 22%, you know, you, you, it would be more like 80%, you know, uh, if you're using ROI uh, from, 
from your initial investment, which is, you know, uh, true growth essentially. So, um, and then, you know, the COVID year uh, in 2020, another 21%. Um, and to show you how the model has performed, um, you know, here is 20, the start of 2022. And the, the good thing about these models um, is the, there's two kind of risk factors that go along with them is we, the average percent time in market is about 50%, 55%, somewhere in that range. And then the average allocation is about the, you know, about the same. So when you, you know, 50, approximately, uh, you know, 40 to 60% of the time, you know, you're in cash. And when you do have an open position, you know, your average allocation percentage is, you know, you know, 30 or 40%, uh, sometimes even lower. And so what we want to do is be as efficient as we possibly can on that initial entry, because the most efficient, the more efficient that initial entry is, uh, the better. So we want to be in and out as quickly as we possibly can, and then just reinvest that return. And so that allows us to, to, to not have to seek uh, a large percent return um, on a per entry basis or whatever to, to, to outperform. So we can apply an adaptive exit model um, you know, as well, and, and which is also multi, uh, multi types of exits. So we have like intra bar exits and then into bar exits per entry, per entry profitable exits, and then per position. Now the model does not have any stop losses. It does have losing exits, however. So we do have losing exit criteria uh, within the model structure, just not an actual max stop loss. So <clears throat> And being it's a, a you know uh, you know equities and not futures markets you know the the risks uh, there uh, historically for this model anyway um, you know I can send you uh, it, we we typically calculate that based because it compounds you have to calculate your risk uh, based off where the market was at the time of the trade and not what your initial investment was so that's how we calculate. Uh, you know, max drawdown percentages and things of that nature. But I think for 2022, it was uh, like approximately six and a half percent. That was our max position drawdown um, of 2022. And the max drawdown of the SPY uh, was, I think, maybe like 23 percent, maybe 24 percent, somewhere in that range. Um, Again, approximately. but you know you can see the difference there. So the risk and how we accomplish that is you know we don't put all our eggs in a single basket. Essentially, you know we we are looking to compound probabilities, right? So ultimately, nobody can predict the market. No model, no matter how efficient, how intelligent, how adaptive, you know the markets are completely random. So what we are looking to do is exploit the same fundamental and behavioral justifications that all the buy and hold uh, and active asset allocation firms, funds, managers deploy, right? We want to exploit the same biases, the same justifications that they do. We just want to do it in a more effective, more efficient manner, right? And so, you know, we... Uh, that's one reason why we also allow multiple entries. So that's two factors. So that, that has two benefits. One, it allows us to spread out that position allocation more intelligently, more effectively based on value and volatility. And then in addition to that, it allows us to compound the probabilities 
of the individual models or types of value that we're looking to exploit and how we identify that, right? And so, you know, we, our model here uh, exploits, you know, reverting value, random, cyclic, uh, consolidation. And consolidation is kind of splits into two, uh, you know, kind of two, two layers. You kind of have like small cycle consolidation and you have large cycle consolidation. Like this would be, you know, a large cycle consolidation, right? Um, and so, and then we also have obviously oversold, right? And then you have those forms of value and then relative to how we classify the market, right? And so you can have an oversold that occurs in a bull uptrend compared to an oversold that occurs in a downtrend, right? And a large cycle downtrend or in a large cycle uptrend, right? So those we look at those differently, right? Because they can be, uh, you know, the types of value that you want to exploit historically can be very different. And so we just want to be as, a specific, as specific as we possibly can, but without being dependent on any one of those singularities, if that makes sense, right? And so <clears throat> this is 2022. Let me show you 2020, uh, which is the COVID year, all right? So this is 2020. Um, and so you can see here, we have some per entry exits um, that is, you know, you know, bar exits that can exit without, you know, the next bar closing. So, you know, we have a, a wider, we want to essentially give this model as many ways as possible to exit with a positive outcome, you know, instead of just giving it a set, you know, oh, it's going to pursue a one and one or a two to one, you know, return, you know, whatever. No. So we want all of that to be, you know, based on per, we want to give the model per entry exits, per position exits. And what I mean by that is, um, let me, all right. So this right here is a per position exit, right? So that exits the entire position. This right here is a per entry exit. Okay, so it just exited this entry right here with a return. And so it's very critical that you give the, these types of models both, right? Um, because you want